What's up, guys? Combat Addict here. Today we're doing the general podcast. Last week we didn't do it, so I apologize for those of you who listen to that general podcast. Um, just wasn't feeling it. To be honest, I'm not really feeling it today either. But, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to do good things to do them which is one of the things I wanted to talk about today a lot of the time things that are fulfilling or that build upon your mind or your character they're things that you just really don't want to do you just want to waste away and watch Netflix or Amazon Prime for hours on end. And you're thinking, I don't want to record my podcast, even though I know that one day I'm going to look back on it as a pretty awesome, cool journal, digital journal. And it'll be well worth it when I can look back years from now and see the way that I thought, the way that I spoke, you know, that's going to be awesome. You know, if you don't do it, then not only are you just going to be spending your time doing pretty much what you do 99.9% of the time anyways, but you don't have the opportunity to A, entertain the people out there who actually listen to this, uh, or B, create a memory for yourself that you can look back on years from now. So there are weeks where I'm like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to record this podcast, man. There are weeks where I'm like, nah, man. Every time I do it, I don't regret the fact that I did it. But there are definitely weeks where I am not, not into it. That's the truth. But I'm doing it anyways. I'm doing it anyways because I know it's a good thing. And I know it's going to be important to me years from now that I did this. As I've said multiple times, it's also a good way to actually elaborate on those thoughts that you sort of have in passing. Like I'll think something on Tuesday for a brief moment, but because I'm doing other things, I don't really flesh it out. 
this podcast is good for that, man. This is actually the original podcast. This is the original everything. Everything that I did on this YouTube channel in the beginning when I seriously thought of starting the YouTube channel was literally Joe Rogan inspired, like, let me do a podcast. That was the the goal. My Mouth Does the Talking is the name of the podcast because of this. Just me basically rambling to myself. And, uh, however successful this podcast is or, or is not, I think that there is value in investing in something like this. At the very least, because it's, it's something that you can say. that you do that is at least, you know, constructive in your life and consistent because you can't always be constructive. But if you have something where you hold yourself to it, an obligation to do something, then you can at least get a little bit of construction there. For a long time, that's how it was when I was trying to learn how to play my guitar. Sometimes I didn't want to play my guitar, honestly. I was like just so tired, so tired of of being bad at it, so tired of having to struggle and agonize to get the technique properly done. But I did it anyways just because I knew it was a good thing to do. I knew it would relax me. I knew it would sort of put me into a flow state and I knew I would build on something important enough to personal development that it was worth doing. And I suppose there's at least one thing that people should have in their lives that's like that. Because if you just get your way all the time and only do those things that you feel like doing, you might find that you end up doing nothing. <laughs> and that is a sorry place to be. So I apologize if my energy is not as high as it as it may usually be, but... I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I'm just shedding my, 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 (laughs) that doesn't make any sense because I'm very young, but perhaps I just am, am engaging my more cynical adult side. I'm not sure. In any case, there are a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. Not even really 
important things, just stuff. I think we should start with something light. Like, why are things funny because they're true? That's something that sort of eludes me. Because a lot of why jokes are funny is because they're unexpected. But if something is true, then it's to be expected. And somehow those, those things that are true are some of the funniest things. Don't make any sense. And I wonder if it's, uh, sort of like mimicry or like in impression for some reason impressions are really funny but I think that they're only funny because they're true and so then again it becomes this thing where it's like well why do we laugh at that I think that impressions are laughed at because there's a, there's like an extremity to the way that people are and the way that people talk that you don't notice until someone does an impression of them. And I think that maybe that ridiculousness of their like the, the extreme salience and like you know difference of their their character that's the thing that we're laughing at we're like oh my god <laughs> this person is actually so weird in that way and therefore this is funny because <laughs> it's just so odd that that they are that way but they are so maybe it's Maybe it's funny just because, I mean, at least when it comes to impressions, maybe they're just funny because we sort of get to see the absurdity of individuality through the, through the lens of, of mimicry. And we also say that imitation is a form of, of flattery. Which I agree. I mean, nobody imitates somebody else with the intent to, I mean, that's not necessarily true, but usually when you're doing an impression of someone, you're not trying to hurt them. In fact, you may like them a lot. You may like them so much that you see them and hear them all the time. Hence why you're so good at doing impressions of them because you've really really invested in their character all the same it just feels weird that we laugh at their differences when they're pointed out
It just seems odd. And I don't have like an answer for this question or like, or this, this phenomena of laughing at imitations or things that are true. Because it really doesn't make much sense, you know. If jokes are supposed to be funny because they're unexpected, it doesn't make much sense. And that's not even me talking about everything that is true and therefore funny. That's like imitations alone. That's not even talking about scenarios or actions or things like cultural truths, for example. Like if you make a joke about, I mean, this may be offensive now, but if you made a joke about, I don't know, let's start to think of one that wouldn't be offensive. Like, uh, like if you made a joke where the punchline was just about how fast a Jamaican is. You know, Usain Bolt, fastest man in history, right? Jamaican. And you made a joke and the punchline had something to do with Jamaicans just being really fast. You know. Perhaps in an unexpected scenario or something like that. Like, uh, like if somebody said, you know who the best UPS delivery people would be Jamaicans because your package would always arrive on time on time and when you opened your door there'd be a Jamaican posing with his fingers pointed in the air every time that's how fast they would be they would still have time to pose in front of you gloat about how quickly they delivered the package and then go deliver all of the other packages on time. Now that's not like the most hilarious joke in the world. But I can see a scenario in which that would be funny and it's just, um... The, the, the reason that it's funny is simply because we know that Jamaicans are fast, but we know that. <laughs> so I think that maybe the humor there, and I don't know why I'm trying to break down jokes here, but I think that maybe the humor there comes from the situation that you put the Jamaican in. I mean, how ridiculous is it to suggest that we should try to make all of our UPS delivery people Jamaican simply because, <laughs> simply because... Some Jamaicans are fast. That's a pretty ridiculous proposition, and, and, and it's a little bit unexpected as well. So maybe that's why that is funny. But when you look at it just generally, it just, It just seems strange that something that is just a, like a fact that like there is a Jamaican who is the fastest man in the world and therefore maybe Jamaicans are fast, that is somehow made funny. It's just interesting.
Because humor really doesn't make any sense. Like, humor is really strange. I don't know why humor even exists. Like, why can we laugh? You know? This doesn't seem like a necessary evolutionary function. You know what I mean? Laughing. Do any other animals laugh? Right? I think we're the only ones that laugh and go out of our ways to laugh. And laughing is, is something that's almost, it's, it's uncontrollable. Sometimes people laugh so hard. <laughs> they laugh so hard they can't even control themselves. They're like on the floor laughing. Where the hell did that come from? When, why is that something that humans are pretty universally capable of? Like, why isn't there a group of us that just can't laugh? I mean, I guess there are some people who laugh harder than others and more than others, but laughing as like a, as like a, as a evolutionary, like adaptation just seems strange. Its existence is, is purely like hedonistic in nature. There's nothing about laughing other than the fact that when you laugh, apparently, if you laugh more, like, you, you, you are just, apparently you'll live longer if you laugh more. Apparently. Apparently. I don't know if that's 100% true. I haven't even looked that up in a study. I just heard it somewhere. So maybe that's what it is. <laughs> maybe if you can't laugh. You become depressed and you just off yourself. Maybe that's why people can laugh. I don't know. That could be a reason. No? I mean, I think that that could be a legitimate explanation. Like, all the humans that couldn't laugh killed themselves. <laughs> oh, my God. They just got fed up. They couldn't laugh at UPS Jamaicans, so they killed themselves. I like laughing. Actually, I uh, had made the decision in my third year of university to do stand-up comedy because of a video that I saw about Louis C.K. creating a joke and how he might have done it. Now, while Louis C.K. Louis C.K. is not the greatest role model now because of what he had done when the Me Too movement stuff came out. At the time, I was like, you know what? Cool. You know, I've just seen that there's like a formula to writing a joke and I want to try to write one. So I've actually done stand-up two or three times. I did pretty well one time, all right the second time, and I bombed the third time real bad. I want to do stand-up again. I just feel that 
I, I, it's hard to, it's hard to motivate myself to practice something like that in the midst of a pandemic. It's very difficult because I can't actually get an audience who I can do the jokes to. And that is frustrating to say the least. And so I've been thinking that perhaps I might start writing my jokes and just posting them in YouTube videos. Let me know what you think about that. If you think that's a good idea. Or if you have like a topic that you'd want me to write on. Because I want to write jokes. I just, I'm lazy. <laughs> it's not that I don't want to do it. I just... It's a lot of rehearsal. When you write jokes, you need to know them like the back of your hand. At least for me. Because in order to not only tell the joke effectively, but to capitalize on opportunities for an ad lib, you need to know your routine. If you ad lib and you lose your train of thought and forget where your joke goes, you're going to bomb. That's what happened to me. Great ad lib. Forgot where I was. Totally fucked up. Oh, totally messed up the joke. Which was upsetting, to say the least. But I want to do it again. I just, I, I just don't know if I... It's just putting the work into it is the problem for me. Putting the work into it is... is and once again, it's one of those things that you do not because you you want to do it in the moment. You just do it because you know it's good. Because you know that once you finally do it and you get to perform it or whatever, you're going to feel good. But it's the work leading up to that. That's the hard part. Once again, it's another thing in my life that I know is good to do, that I know would be fun to do, that I know that I would enjoy. It's like I just don't have the, the motivation to, to do it. So you got to force yourself to do it. And Joe Rogan talks about how, and I don't know if he still does this, he would come home and he would write for an hour. He'd just write for an hour. Just, just try for an hour. And that's how he would work his bits. And I'm starting to realize, I think that that's just, I mean, I don't think that there's anybody out there who just loves comedy so much that they just, they, they never don't feel like writing jokes or just loves what they do so much. They just never feel like not doing it. There's always, it doesn't matter what you do. You're not going to feel like doing it on a lot of the days, on a lot of the days that you're supposed to be doing it. And comedy is one of those things for me. So I joined a Facebook group where I could do comedy through Zoom. <laughs> Zoom comedy. That's what it's come to. I hope that things can open up again at some point so that I can do it in front of actual people. But screens are, are going to be the audience for now, I suppose.
I was thinking about how people say that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And you know what? I don't think the power is what corrupts people. I think people are just already corrupt. I think that... How many people have you met who are just flawed logically in some way? Like you have a disagreement with them and you can just see that it doesn't matter what you say to them. They have a bias that will not allow them to acquiesce in this argument that you're having with them. Now, usually that's not a problem because this person doesn't have any power or authority over you. If they did, it might be a problem. But in that case, I think that their biases were sort of already there. The power just allowed the corruption to manifest itself. Power would just allow itself or would just allow corruption to manifest. I don't think the power is what corrupts people. I think you're probably already corrupt, probably already an individual who will try to get away with what you can get away with. If you're the kind of person who plays by all of the rules and doesn't take any shortcuts in the small things, then you probably won't do that when it comes to the big things. If you're the kind of person that does do those things and does take shortcuts in the short, short term, smaller things, then if you got power, you'd probably do the same thing up there. But in either scenario, I think that the person's character was already established. It probably doesn't have to be one or the other either. There are probably some people out there who let money, wealth, fame, things like that go to their head. So perhaps that's what people are talking about. And it makes me wonder how you can stop that from happening to you. I mean, if you came into some sort of massive success doing some sort of, I don't know, like you're a business person and you have some sort of massive success. How do you keep yourself grounded? Because the problem with people is that they're always comparing themselves to other people. And when you come into a lot of success or money or whatever, chances are you're going to make friends with people who also have similar money, success or whatever. And you think that you'll be happy, but what you realize is you just end up entering another rung of society in which everyone is competing with each other and comparing themselves to one another.
So you probably only keep yourself grounded by either separating business from personal, like to say, saying, okay, well, just because I have a lot of friends in business, these aren't my friends now. The friends that I have that are working nine to fives, these are the people I'm still going to keep around. And I'm not going to suggest that we always hang out in my mansion or something like that, but actually go and see them from time to time in their place. Maybe that's how you can keep yourself grounded. You need to speak with the common people, the regular people, because if you don't, you're going to lose sight completely of what, what matters to them and therefore what matters to most people. And then you're not grounded anymore because you're, you're off living in some world that most people don't understand. But I don't know. I think it was Steve Corral. Is that his name? Steve Carroll? Corral? Who had said that he became famous later in his life. And it actually might have been better because at that time, I think, I believe he already had a wife and maybe even a kid at that point. So he sort of already knew who he was. He didn't have to worry about not being grounded. Because he already knew. And hearing that, it sort of surprises me that somebody like Selena Gomez has managed to stay, for the most part, out of trouble. Because I think she sort of had the opposite. She was famous very young. I mean, even Miley Cyrus was, I mean, she didn't do too bad, considering what she you know, the amount of success that she had. Justin Bieber is a perfect example. I think he was like 15 or 16 when he when he hit it big. And, and he did have a, a little bit of a, a phase. So maybe I can't count him. But that amount of fame for a young person probably messes them up. It probably destroys a part of them. So maybe Steve Corral is, is, is right in, in suggesting that people should... Not people should, that his age had something to do with his ability to keep himself together. One thing I think about is that 
when someone is extremely successful because of the way that their life has made them, for example, perhaps you are really successful as a musician because your life has been miserable. And as such, you were able to take that misery and put it into music. Or maybe you were a drug addict as a comedian or something like that. And a lot of that edgy, drug-ridden lifestyle found its way into your act. When you make it big or become famous or make lots of money or whatever, and you don't have to worry about that anymore, how does that affect your art? I mean, can you, can you even find the same motivation to do art if what motivated you was suffering and pain? That's something I wonder about. If you talked about the 1%, say you have a successful, I mean, YouTube channel even, or book that you wrote that was about class divisions in society and how they're wrong, and then years later you find yourself in the 1%. Does that change you? Do you write the same way? I mean, maybe this is why people say, oh, this band's music, earlier music was better or something like that. This band's earlier music was better Maybe it was better because they were hungry, figuratively, literally. They didn't have the option to go get a soybean kale milkshake at Starbucks for $16. They were eating noodles, instant noodles and seeing the, the worst part of, of society. And so they wrote music that reflected the dark, awful things that they, that they had to deal with. Now they don't have those. They don't have those things. And comedy is another thing where I wonder if it's like comedians who tell stories. How many stories can you tell before people get used to your personality and you aren't as funny anymore? Kevin Hart, the most successful comedian of all time. to me over the years became less and less and less funny. 
And a part of me wondered if that was, and not to say he's not, he's not a good comedian or that he's not funny. I'm not saying he's not funny. I'm saying that he was less funny to me. And a part of me wondered if that's because I was laughing, not just at his jokes, but at his personality. And then being exposed to it over and over and over again, sort of desensitized me to his jokes. So what does that comedian do? Where do you go when you've told all of your stories? I guess what I'm trying to say is that when it comes to creative aspiration, there's a possibility that your fuel will just run out. Unless you draw from something that isn't limited. If you draw from a love for the craft, from the beginning, then I think you'll be more consistent Maybe less impactful in the start, but you'll be more consistent over the course of your career. Whereas if you're drawing from emotions and circumstances, you may be incredibly impactful in the beginning and fade as those circumstances or emotions fade. And hopefully your love for the craft will take over. But it doesn't always. That's what I think. But I don't know. I wanted to talk about this. I don't think it's that important. I really don't think it's that important. And so I'm actually debating whether or not I even want to talk about it now with you guys. But you know what? This podcast isn't about what's important. This podcast is just about thoughts that I've had. So let's just do this thing. This is going to be a short segment of the podcast here. I think that it's interesting that people agonize over partners that they would never be able to handle. Like, 
you may feel that you have a special connection to some person. Maybe they're incredibly beautiful. Maybe they're just the most attractive person you've ever seen or met. And they live like an exciting lifestyle that you would want to live. And you just wish you could be with someone like that. The truth is, you wouldn't be able to handle them even if you got them. And that's one thing I think about is when I'm swiping with, you know, people on Bumble or Tinder or whatever, which I don't do particularly often. Sometimes I look at somebody and I'm like, you know, you're gorgeous and you look like you're a well-rounded and sociable person. So I swipe to the right, but even if I matched with you and we hung out, I don't even think we'd be compatible. And so it, it sort of becomes like, I think that people's eyes are bigger than their stomachs because of social media. Like you think you want this person, but you don't. You think that they're attractive and great and everything, but you probably don't have anything in common. Your friends and their friends would not hang out with each other. So to agonize over people like that, who are incompatible with you, but look great on social media. It's just sort of strange. This podcast's pace was very slow. And I have, you know what, I think that I think that I'm going to end the podcast here. I feel like there was more that I could say, but I don't have anything that I want to talk about right now. If you guys want me to talk about something, you can just let me know and I'll look into it. I don't know if you guys value my opinion or not. Some of you listen to this podcast. I don't even know if you make it to the end. But if you do, it makes me think that maybe you at least think my opinion is interesting. So go ahead and tell me about something you want me to talk about. And I'll probably talk about it. Anyways, that is it for today.
Thank you for listening, everybody. Combat Addict, out.